Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Hey there, welcome everybody in to the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. This podcast is actually recorded on the 22nd. Well, he's going to try to pull a slick one on y'all because Tom, Tom, say hello. Hello, guys. Better half of the podcast you just heard right there. Tom has the ability to record tonight and then drop it whenever he would like. And uh, he's, I'm going to Tahoe and then, uh, which I think I don't, you're not leaving for a while, but he and I will not be in the same state beginning uh, Monday for like 15 days. So, uh, so we had to get this. So this is the last podcast of the year, but we're going to talk about early signing day and we're going to talk about the Sugar Bowl. We had to get the Sugar Bowl in because we're not going to be in town before the game is played. And I told Tom, I'm like, let's just drop it uh, tonight or tomorrow if we can. So you should be, if you're listening to this, hopefully it's the 22nd or 23rd. Hopefully Santa has not come yet. If uh, if you downloaded it later, that's fine too. Because uh, signing day was yesterday, and it's going to be fresh on our minds. But uh, anything you'd like to say before breaking the commentary? I know I'm jumping all over the place. Uh. No, not really. Actually, I will. I will follow up on uh, something we talked about in our last podcast, real quick, because we were talking about last time about portal and how it worked and that sort of thing. And you brought up JT Daniels and how he keeps transferring constantly, and and I was really concerned about that too, uh, figuring that we were talking out our butts, or at least I was, because I didn't really know. So I went and looked at it a little bit, and it's not definitive on exactly. JT Daniels' path through and throughout this uh, process, but here is what I think has happened with JT Daniels in 2020 when he was still with Georgia. I guess it was the 1920 season. Um, he had transferred from USC to Georgia, and during that process, he. If you remember, you could petition the NCAA for a waiver. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily public knowledge, wh- how, why they petition it. But he petitioned the NCAA for a waiver to play immediately at Georgia. So it had nothing to do with the portal. So he was granted a waiver to play immediately at Georgia. And so he played at Georgia the one year. And then when he got ready to transfer again, he actually graduated from Georgia. So then as a graduate transfer, you're able to uh, go to a different school with no penalty the following year. So he did that as a graduate transfer and going to West Virginia. And now that he's leaving West Virginia and going, where's he going, Rice? I don't know. I just knew he was in the portal. 
Yeah, I, maybe that was somebody else I was thinking about going to Rice. Whoever it was he was going to, now he's going to use his portal opportunity. <laughs> so <Okay>. that's, <laughs> that's the way he kind of got around the system. I thought it was funny, though, when I was looking at that, before Daniels landed at West Virginia, I read an article from an Oregon coach or assistant coach or somebody close to the program, not Oregon, but Oregon State, and they said when they were recruiting JT to come out there that he had some demands (laughs) for his recruitment, which included a four-bedroom house fully equipped with a gym, uh, <laughs> there was there was something I forget what it was some kind of whatever the 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 monthly stipend or money you had I mean it was like a a prima donna list like a writer uh, list for from, a comes for a band <laughs> yeah for somebody who's probably had five touchdown passes thrown in his entire career so uh, nonetheless Oregon State bowed out and he ended up at West Virginia so. He, he might have got extra couches or something over there. I'm not sure what they give him, but uh, nice. So, nice. so anyway, well, get into your commentary. Yeah, we'll man. get into the commentary. So it's it's going to be a little different because I'm going to lead off with something very kind of short and sweet, hopefully, and then we're going to talk about where Bama is as a program and the way I'm hope that way I kind of brainstormed and see it. And and then then I think what we'll do is we'll segue right into early signing day. Remember, Tom, we used to have the word of the day on the podcast, and you had to drink uh, every time the word was said. <laughs> well, I'm glad the word wasn't egregious about three or four weeks ago. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know because I said segue, and it's a it's a cool word. It's a tier two mm. word for those English majors out there. Can you All spell right. it? Uh, S e g u e. Yes. Nice. Anyway, um, and we knew this last podcast, we just didn't mention it because it might have just been announced, or maybe it wasn't, I don't remember, but regardless, Bryce Young and uh, Will Anderson are playing in the Sugar Bowl, and man, that's just awesome. And not just from the standpoint of a Bama fan, I had already come to grips that they were not going to play, and I remember the first, I was listening to Danny and Dusty this morning, they're like, who was the first opt-out? And they were thinking it was Christian McCaffrey. And I guess it was after he got uh, snubbed, according to a few, uh, for the Heisman. I I love that. I could go off on a major tangent on that. Every time he does well in the NFL, they're like, oh, he should have won the Heisman. And I'm like, yeah, Derrick Henry won it. How's he doing again? Uh, Probably, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, but whatever. Um, And then they said they thought Leonard Fournette kind of followed up. And I remember, man, I was so irritated when players would opt out. But I get it now. I do. You know, there's some people came in the store a couple of weeks ago. They're like, well, he's on scholarship. They should finish what they started. Well, I can see that. I can. But, man, oh, man, I've got a daughter who is 19 in college. And if she was on the verge of signing a eight-figure contract – and if she did one more thing that didn't really matter and that number would probably drop to a seven-figure contract, I would probably just say, baby, let's, let's, let's be smart, you know. But the, the fact is it's a very low chance you're going to get hurt, no more or no less than when you played against Auburn or against um, Mercer. Did we play Mercer this year or was that Auburn? You know, you, get, you catch the drift against Texas, Tennessee – 
So, but I, I'm just I'm overjoyed that they're playing, not just because it gives us a great chance to win. I, I think it tilts the game in our favor. I fully expected us to lose the game if they didn't play because that would be coupled with our lack of interest in the game because we're not in the playoffs. But I think it just speaks well for the program, for the culture we have, that those two are going to play. I agree with that uh, completely. And, no, we didn't play Mercer. We played the Governors. Um, <clears throat> but your point is taken. Uh, once we were – I mean, for all intents and purposes, we were we were out of the playoffs in our second game. And, and they very well could have mailed it in. Even, even as participants – we we very well could have had a lot of I mean you see a lot of teams there's a breaking point to them you know after their second loss or after their third loss depends on how competitive they are or whatnot they tend to just go down the hill Auburn's notorious for that you know on, yeah. on Auburn's bad years they're really really bad I I mean just look at the history of Auburn in the last fifteen years when they're Good years, they're 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 up really well, but they hardly ever have a nine and three, ten and two year. You know, they either have a, a twelve and one year, uh, or they have a six and five year. Yep. Um, and so so I I agree with you that it, it was good to have our guys not only play but also refocus to finish out the season. So I'm I'm very impressed with that too, and and uh, I, I hope that that sends a message to the existing players. I mean, you have to create a, I guess a, um, what am I trying to say here? A, uh, uh, gosh, I'm losing my mind. I'm not even drinking today. I mean, but you have to you have to create an atmosphere that that players learn as underclassmen and they carry it forward and teach the young ones when they're upper class and 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 that cycle continues and and that that is great for that cycle yeah yeah i I agree sorry i kind of zoned out i was watching uh i was watching a a silent episode of the office (laughs) because (laughs) money not football is not owned so uh, all right so that was part one will and bryce are playing so part two of commentary is, I, I think this is the dawning of a new era of Nick Saban. He is reinventing himself at least, I, I'm going to say at least twice at Bama, and I might be missing one, but here's how I have it broken down. So Saban arrives to Bama in 07, and he instills the the toughness. He brings Scott Cochran with him, and – you know, this was a coach that he made a professional player at Miami cry. And I think that really stuck with a lot of people. They, I think they were terrified of him. And, man, we were hard-nosed. We were what – like we've talked about, we were what Georgia is right now. We were – and I've, I've got this labeled and I've got the years labeled. I, I'm going to say 07, which that was, the, that was the building block year, the first year. But 07, 08, 09, and 2010 – I've got it named MTAQ. That is make their ass quit. That was the famous speech he gave gave before the LSU game in 08 or 09. And, you know, it was make their ass quit. And that was it. We were bullies. And it might have stretched on into 11 and 12. 
But because I remember in 2012 when Georgia, when we were coming back in the ACC championship game against Georgia, we ran the ball down their throats, scored, and ran the ball for the two-point conversion. You know how ballsy that is to hand the ball off two and a half, three, or I guess three yards out and, and get the two-point conversion, and we did it. DJ Fluker, I mean, that group, just phenomenal. But 07 through 10, I've got it as the make-their-ass-quit era. Okay, so then 11 to 14 – I've got that era is just where we were more talented than you. Uh, we didn't have, you know, in, in 13, well, we had A.J. 14, we had um, we had Blake Sims, and who, which is there any planet that, that a, a Blake Sims-led team now would make the playoffs, thinking about the quarterback play that you see nowadays compared to back then? So I just got that one as, as talent better than everyone, 11 to 14. All right, so then 15 to 22, I've got that as QBU. We were quarterback university. Now, 15, we had Jake Coker. Mata could have put 15 in there with um, with with the, the 11 through 15 where we were just more talented than everybody else because Jake Coker won a national title. But in 16, we had Jalen. In 17, we had Jalen slash Tua. In 18, we had Tua. In 19, we had Tua. 20, we had Mac Jones. So, and I've actually got this stretching into 2022, which is this year, because, you know, I'm fresh on our memories. 21, we had Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy winner. 22, we've got Bryce Young. So, I've got us as, as QBU. We were just, we had the quarterback, the best quarterback in, in college football. Gosh, I, I don't know, six of those years? You know, 18 with Tua, 19 with Tua, 20 with Mac. 20, yeah, I'm going to say five years. We had the best quarterback. Uh, I'm going to say we have had, we've had the best quarterback in college football since 2018. Now, that is uh, an easy point to argue because of Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, um, uh, you know, uh, Justin Fields. But I tell you what, we've got a strong argument there. Which leads us to this right here, and to me, this is our fourth, and this is this Saban's final reincarnation of Alabama football. You know, I don't know. But I think it starts, and I really believe that it starts with Bryce and Will playing. I think it's going to be the leadership slash NIL era, and this is what is going to segue us into early signing day. You know, last year, Texas A&M finished first, had the best class ever signed on paper, the most points, you know, ever, 334 or whatever. And I, I was looking when we were – when before we got on, and with the addition of Desmond Ricks, I think we're at 328 points. So we're just a little bit off that that first the, – the, uh, the best class ever by A&M. And we finished two last year, but – you know, we didn't throw – apparently we didn't throw around the money like A&M. Well, I, I think we threw around the money this year. What do you think? I think so. Uh, I think I think we got off our tails and realized what and, – and, and I say I think we got off our tails. If Saban's notorious for anything, it's adapting. And whether that's adapting to players, whether that's adapting to schemes a la no hurdle, fast pace, running quarterbacks, uh, literally throwing the ball instead of running the ball and playing defense, 
whether it's a transfer portal, then he's, he complained about it, and then he's he won it two years in a row. Uh, same same thing for all this. And now, now we're in the NIL, and, you know, it, it's the nature of what we're in. It takes money to get these kids on campus. I mean, if, if money is the same all across the board, then you're still Alabama and you can get kids there. If it's not the same across the board, then you have to generate funds and do it. And I agree with you. I think, I don't know how much that is. I don't know if we'll ever know. But absolutely, we 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 put some money into this recruiting cycle. But, you know, I think last year, even though we finished second, like I said, everybody was kind of making fun of Bama not finishing first. Dude, we didn't finish 24th. We finished second. But I, everybody was like, well, Saban, he's, you know, he's not going to be able to, to do what he did before NIL. Well, he showed them this year that he could. And a couple of big flips – or well, yeah, yeah, flips for sure because the, the um, uh, Caden, uh, Corbin Proctor, the line, lineman from Iowa, the only five-star in the state. And, of course, I looked at their state. They have a five-star, then their next best player is a three-star. We flipped him late in the process. And then, like I said, you know, hour or less than an hour before we came on and started recording at 5:30 Central, Desmond Ricks picked us the the top cornerback in the nation, if I'm not mistaken. And he was all going to be all LSU. And then we somehow we flipped him. So I think Saban is showing, hey, you know, I've warned y'all. We've talked about hurry up, no huddle. I said, is this what we want football to be? You said yes because hey. You know, Hugh Freeze beat Saban, uh, Gus Malzahn beat Saban, and then we we hired Lane Kiffin and we won, a, you know, national title. <clears throat> so, and, and then it's like transfer portal. Are we shoot this what we want to be? Yeah, it, it is. We want this because this is going to let everybody catch up to Nick Saban. Well, we got Jamison Williams last year and – or two two years ago? Two years ago. Did he win a national title with us? Jameson, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, regardless, we have we've we've done really well in the transfer portal this year. Gibbs, I know we're not in the playoffs, but Gibbs looked really good. Uh, Jermaine Burton had some moments. Eli Ricks had some moments. You know, our left tackle was from Vanderbilt, transfer portal guy. So we've done well in the portal, and now the NIL. Hey, do you want NIL? That's fine. We'll go for it. And you know, I just think this ushers in. I think it is the leadership. excuse me, slash NIL era of Nick Saban. And I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, can we continue on with the the money flowing in? Because Alabama's not the richest state. Alabama's not the richest school. Uh, You know, there's there's schools with billionaires out there. Um, What the Koch brothers, C-O or K-O-C-H, what their Oregon, or Oklahoma State, I believe, but you know what Alabama has is this right here. We've got business owners that are – they didn't go to the university, but they love Alabama football. And they don't care to donate to – like we talked about the collective last you know last week. They don't care to donate to that. It might be 20000 It might be 10000 It might be 5000 Heck, it might be 100000 You know, whatever their business profits that they can part with, that's what they want to do because they want to see Alabama win. And I would say – Alabama, the University of Alabama has more sidewalk fans that have money that will not be afraid to spend it on NIL, on collectives that can be used towards NIL. So 
where we don't have the money that an Ohio State has based on their alumni base, Notre Dame has, like a Stanford would have based on their who they graduate and, and the, the amount of money that a graduate from Stanford or Notre Dame makes. We've got Bubba who owns a, a business, and he's going to sink every penny he can into beating Auburn. And for that, Bubba, I, I appreciate it. Hey, yeah, and let me tell you this, too, and because – over the years, there have been several in-depth interviews or, or shadow shows where they go in and, and shadow Saban for days or weeks. And, you know, they, they did the preseason following them around during camp one year and all kind of stuff. And, and, and every time you hear someone give an interview on that, it's always Saban is so structured. He's so meticulous in everything he does. He gets up at the same time. He goes to work at the same time. He works till dark when everybody else is home. He does the same thing. His his day, his, his lunch is already pre-prepared, and he didn't have to make those decisions to cut into his day. I mean, he's got all these things going that he always does. And I have heard it multiple times about, you know, Saban runs this this. Uh, this university, this athletic program, like a CEO. He's more not necessarily a, uh, just a head coach. He's a CEO of a program, and he's got his fingers in every little part of that. And I've heard time and time again, man, he would be a great business leader in a Fortune 500 company if he wasn't a coach, or he, he would be a great politician running, you know, country or the governorship or something where he would use those skills to you know have have an organization that runs like a well-oiled machine well guess what folks when the nil comes in that is nothing but another big complicated cog in a business model and I would not want anybody else but him running that. I mean, there's it. This is going to be, and I talked about it some last week about the NIL finding its sort of natural landing area for how much players are worth and that sort of thing. It will be a puzzle, but I'm going to tell you what Nick Saban is going to do a wonderful job of balancing getting the players what they're worth, what they deserve, while still instilling in them the need for, uh, you know, camaraderie-ship, brotherhood, sportsmanship, the drive to make yourself better. Because money makes a lot of people lazy. And that's going to be a psychological thing. But he will have... He will have psychologists, he will have money managers, he'll have accountants, he'll have NFL players, he'll have all these people coming in to direct this ship and and do everything he needs for it. And I don't think that 
there's going to be a lot of coaches out there that will go to his level of meticulousness on this. There will be coaches out there just, you know, boosters are paying them. Heck yeah, give them money. And then at the end of the year, your guy can't is not eligible for the Sugar Bowl because he's in court for tax evasion or something. I mean, you know, there's, there's yeah. just a lot of moving parts. And I can assure you with his his CEO type abilities that this is a complicated piece to college football, but I fully expect him to be out in front of it and ahead of the curb in most aspects. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, I'm naming this leadership slash NIL and uh, Georgia is the, the team to catch as far as the, they're the standard in the SEC, especially if they win the, the national title this year, which I, Kind of, I don't know. We talked about it. I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think the winner of that game wins a national title. Let's put it that way. So, you know, they're going to kind of be like 0-9 Florida where that's they're, they're, the, they're the, the, the torchbearer, and we've got to, to take what is ours. So, hopefully that will, be, that will be in view, and I think it will be based on the recruiting class that we signed yesterday. So, let's get into recruiting and um, – Auburn. Let me ask you a question on this recruiting yeah. real quick before you get into that. Because you mentioned this a while ago, and, and and I didn't get a chance to ask you about it, but you're correct. Before uh, Desmond Ricks signed with us today, we were sitting at 326-something-other, which is the highest ever class for – well, after Ricks signed, it's the highest ever class for Saban, second highest ever behind A&M's 333. Point I'm wondering about, and not that this makes a hill of beans, but about two weeks ago, maybe even not that long ago, as we were approaching signing day, and I usually follow 247. Yeah, that's that's uh, where I got my numbers from. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're typically, that's, that's a great way to do it, a composite of the, the services and so on and so forth. But they reclassified about two weeks before signing day. We had somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or eight five stars. And this was before Proctor. This was before Ricks. And it was before Keeley. There were three that we had after that. But just outside of a week to go or so, they reclassified several of those. And we went into signing day with only like three. Um. Or, or, you know, right there approaching signing day mm-hmm. for three. So I don't know. And, and our numbers dropped, uh, you know, as far as that goes. So that was one thing. And I know reclassifying, but, heck, that's, I mean, that's right at signing day. So I don't know what somebody was trying to do there, if anything. It's just a question that I had. But also the question that I have is we have 28 total commitments, okay, and a total score of – 328.97. I have no idea how the point total comes together to approach that, but I'm guessing on average, if you have 28 commits and 328 points, you're going to be at you know 11 or 12 points per commitment. I know that mm-hmm. will be higher for five stars and lower for three stars and so on and so forth, but it'll average out that way. Uh, That makes sense. 328 
you know, 0.97 is what it ended up with. Divided by 28 is going to get you, I don't have a calculator in front of me, it's going to get you somewhere around the 11, 12 mark, something like that. Well, when we got Rick's, we were at 326. So how how does adding a top 10 player in the country, a five-star, <laughs> bump you two and a half points? Or whatever uh, it was? I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, it'd be eleven. I, it'd be eleven point seven four eight nine two eight six six six. Repeating, of course. If uh, the yeah, the, well, the three twenty eight point nine seven divided by twenty eight. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. So, uh, are you like you want an answer? Is that a rhetorical or what? I didn't think you had the answer, but I was curious about it because when they said he signed, I was like, "Ooh, I wonder what we're at now." And we only jumped up two and a half points. I'm like, dang, if we got two and a half points for every player on the team, if they were all five stars, then our total point total would be, you know, a hundred. Um, so, I, I I don't know. I don't know if somebody's doing that on purpose. Uh, there's got to be some kind of complicated formula for doing it. I, I Just a question I had. But, yeah, but get, let's get into this class because this is an absolutely epic class. Yeah. Sure. First off, I want to I want to talk about Auburn just a hot minute because they are really poking their chest out about finishing uh, with the kind of a flurry. They flipped a couple of guys and they got the number 11 player in the state of Alabama – that's the highest-rated player they got in the state of Alabama. They got him to flip from LSU to them. Uh, can't remember his name offhand, but I was like, "Well, you know, they're they're crowing, and let's let's look at that." Let's, so I went to points, and I'm like, "Well, let's see how far they are behind Bama." So I used the the number from yesterday, the 326 or whatnot, and they are 18 spots behind Bama. And when you subtract their number of to, their total point number from our total point number is 92.64. So they're 92.64 points behind us with 18 spots. So I'm like, well, let's see what the drop is from 19 to 38, which would be, which I guess I should have done a, a 19 to 37. But regardless, I want 19 to 38. West Virginia sits at 38. And they are the difference between Auburn and West Virginia is 32.72 points. Now, the point I'm trying to make there is, yes, you finished 19th. That's not terrible, uh, obviously. If you finish in the top 25 in recruiting for four straight years, you're expected to be a top 25 team. But, you know, Auburn has higher expectations than that. So the differential from 1 to 19 is huge, in my opinion. Do you, do you see what I'm laying down? I do. It's very, very top-heavy. So then right before we went to air tonight, I'm like, well, let's see. So the the 32.72 points that is 18, 19 spots apart from Auburn and West Virginia, let's see how far you've got to go before you get hit around 32.72 points from Bama. And that is number three, Tennessee. So the point is this, is you don't have to finish one every year. But if you finish 10 or lower, you're pretty far off from the top, the, the, the creme de la creme, if you will. So, yeah, congratulations, Auburn. I saw that Tony Mitchell, I guess you saw that, where he um, apparently he screwed with them pretty bad. He said he was committing to them, then he didn't. And, and uh, they had beat writers ready to, to interview him after his commitment, and then they couldn't <laughs> – they called him and they couldn't get in touch with him. And uh, they, I've had that happen before, you know, get a girl's phone number to bar back in college and you call and it rings and rings and rings and you're like, <laughs> wait a minute, what, what, what just happened? <laughs> so, 
So a anyway, number, dude. Uh, an, yeah, enough uh, <laughs> enough about uh, Auburn. Uh, you know, congrats on finishing 19th. You finished eighth in the conference. You finished behind South Carolina, who I think owns a two or three game winning streak against you right now. So you know, let's let's focus on beating South Carolina before we go browbeating that we we're, we're we're back we're back. So anyway. Bama, yeah, number one class. Uh, I looked at it right before we went to air. Uh, we signed 28 kids, which you can do this year because uh, you can bring in as many as you want. You just can't bring in – you can't have over 85 scholarship players uh, when you kick off next year, just like normal. So, if you bring in 30 and you're full and you can talk five guys into uh, – dumping their scholarship or if you kick five guys to the portal you're good you know uh we got yeah, we, signed, we lost 12 to the <clears throat> portal a lot didn't we yeah we lost a, a good many and uh we probably still have room yeah i don't really think we lost anybody that that we had to have i think that aaron anderson i think this is his name uh we lost him to lsu he's from louisiana that was that's that sucks because he actually got some playing time and Treshawn holden did but we've we've beat his name to death on this podcast about how he's a disappointment. He, he's a disappointment when you compare him to the to his predecessors, but he's a solid college player. You know, it would help to have him back. But all in all, I don't think we're going to be missing out on the kids that hit the portal. But back to the recruiting, we signed seven of the top 25. On This is according to 247 Sports. We signed 10 of the top 50, 15 of the top 100, 17 of the top 150, and 22 of the top 300. So only six players were outside of the top 300, and I know we signed a kicker. And kickers, I don't care if it's Sebastian Janikowski, he's not going to be in the top 300 in the nation of high school players. So very happy with this class. Um, we'll get into who our biggest get is. Anything you want to say before we got a, a four four bullet points that we're going to talk about of, of players and, and what we what we kind of foresee. Yeah, yeah just very quickly. That equated to, you didn't mention, I think you were alluding to it, seven five-stars, 24 stars, and the lone three-star, which was the kicker, Connor Talby. So, yeah, very, very impressive class, very. Um, you know, and, and by by contrast, when you get down to the spot, I didn't look at Auburn's. I didn't really care that much about them. But when you get down to that range of a team and that probably probably as quickly as 10, 12, and beyond, all your five stars, you might get a sporadic one here or there in one of those teams, maybe. But they're usually in those top 10 teams. And then those teams in that range are going to hang their hat on probably getting you know four, five, six, four-star recruits. And then the rest are going to be three-star below. Yep. And that's a huge, huge talent drop-off. Um, you know, they they obviously always don't all pan out, but, you know, people people go, oh, when's Saban leaving this and that? Well, Saban, Saban has built what he has built by being in the top one, two, three spots in recruiting year in and year out. And this is what you get when you get that. You get people talking about Alabama being the greatest dynasty ever, and that's where it starts. It started today for next year and the year after and the year after. So, yeah, highly impressed. All right, so we're going to talk about our biggest get, our biggest signee, that, that, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, the highest ranked. 
Um, very well could be. I've got him down as a possibility. Uh, our biggest surprise, who sees the field first in this recruiting class? And then I'll add one late, most intrigued to see. And that's going to be an interesting one. I've got my eye on one kid because it just makes no sense that we signed him. But I've uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But biggest get, who do you have for your biggest get? Keon Keeley. Uh, I was I was really really wanting to get him once it, once it once it come out that he was on the board or an option for us to flip. I think he was committed to Notre Dame for quite some while. But that guy is already a WWE superstar. I mean, he is ripped up. He's a high school senior. He is thick. He is solid. Uh, I I am looking forward to seeing that guy on a football field. Yeah, I had him down. I went with Caleb Downs. I saw him play from Mill Creek, Georgia. He is the highest rated player we've got. He's number six. I along with a few other people, think he's the best college football player in the country. And I know the quarterback is probably going to carry that title. You know, three of the top four – well, I've got it pulled up here. <clears throat> Let me get to the, the player rankings. Um, I think three of the top four, you know, one is Arch Manning, quarterback. Uh, two is that Cormani McLean, who's yet to sign, cornerback, defensive back. But then three and four are both quarterback, quarterback, and then five is wide receiver, and then Caleb Downs is six safety. I, I, I dude looks like a man child in a uniform already, and I think that's gonna. I think he and I, I had I, my three. I had down that I was gonna choose from were Caleb Downs, Justice Haynes, and Keon Keeley, and I think that when we talk about leadership, this is the big be the leadership era where. We don't have opt-outs of bowl games like all other teams have. I think the two that we mentioned are going to be outstanding leaders, and I, I can't wait to see him on the field. I, I think he gets early playing time, but we won't spoil anything else and go any further. So biggest surprise, um, it would be hard not to choose Ricks. i tell you what, let's take Ricks off the board since he is the ultimate surprise. He was nowhere on the radar yesterday morning, and then all of a sudden he's 85% crystal ball to us throughout today. So, Rick's off the board. Who's your biggest surprise? Well, that was the only one that I had that, uh, that coming in. So, I don't do backups like you. I just, if you would have said Rick's, I would have also said Rick's. But I was surprised a little bit, I guess not late. It looked for a while that the two Carver kids, James Smith and uh, Russell, how is he? How do you say his first name? Is it Quay? Quay, maybe it's like Quay. Le, yeah, he's he. It's short. He's got a long name and Q U A is in it. And I don't know if it's yeah. like Laquavius or Laquavius, whatever. But I, I'm, I assume you pronounce it the way it's pronounced in his full name. But yeah, we'll yeah. call him. I Q, mean, we were always will. kind of in the running, but there for a long time, I don't think we were the favorite, or at least it didn't appear that we were. And so that was a. Super nice surprise because you always knew they were going to be a package deal. I mean, they were they were going to announce together at the same time, all that. You always knew they were going to be a package deal. And I'm going to tell you what: when you got two five star players, <laughs> no that doubt. are a package deal, <clears throat> that is a get right there, brother. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, what if those two guys go? Let's just look at the the. I'm going to have to flip back over here and get back to team rankings. Um, so we're finished one. 
Um, then two is Georgia. What if those two guys go to Georgia? I figure Georgia's number one in the country, you know? So, I don't so know they, the way the points, way the points yeah. work, and we'd still be at 323. <laughs> well, you might be right. But that, that was a huge deal, and it was a, it was a surprise. You know, I, I saw today on, on one of the chit-chat boards about how they, they were really good at their recruitment. They were a package deal, which is very rare that both – you know, a lot of times a package deal is – uh, of like a Cam Newton and then his two-star tight end that, hey, I need you to take my boy so you can get me. Well, this wasn't that deal. This wasn't an okey-doke package deal. These two guys can both play. But, you know, they didn't they didn't commit and then decommit. They were very close to the vest. They're very professional in the way they, they did things. Hint, hint, leadership. Maybe that, that will be good leadership qualities, uh, the reliability on them. But my biggest surprise, I got to go with Corbin Proctor, the the offensive line that we mentioned out of Iowa. I mean, out of nowhere. All right, technical difficulties. Hopefully, this is uh, hopefully this is the last one. Uh, my internet's dead, so I'm on my hotspot. So uh, we're we, we're moving on from biggest surprise to who sees the field first in this recruiting class. And I'm going to go with Justice Haynes, uh, the running back we signed out of the state of Georgia, whose dad was a Georgia alum. Uh, you know, when we lost our second game to LSU, a lot of people were thinking, has the shine come off the Alabama program? You know, Hypel got us in year two, and then Brian Kelly got us in year one. And there were big rumors that Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes were going to uh, decommit and go to Georgia. Man, that would have been just disaster, in my opinion. So the fact those two stuck with us, I think, shows their leadership, shows their reliability. And I think Justice Haynes worked himself into the running back mix pretty early. I think that's a good uh, good pick there due to who we have or who we potentially will have left on the roster next year at running back. Um, I, I did a sort of a similar analysis, and it, it kind of depends. I, I still hadn't heard, is, is Reichard going to stay or is he going? No, he's playing in the Senior Bowl, which I think signifies he is out. That's uh, that's what I was thinking. So I think obvious choice here is Talty. Uh, he'll hit the field very early. I also think Ty Lockwood, the tight end. We're we're in need of a tight end now, as you know. And so I think both of them are pretty obvious choices, just based on need. Um, I would love to see my biggest get, Keon Keeley, hit the hit the ground early. And, and even when you said uh, Caden Proctor, traditionally at Alabama, if you start on the offensive line as a true freshman, you've got one hell of a career in front of you. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and including the NFL. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for him to, to win that starting left tackle job or, or wherever they project him to be. But – uh, that that's who I see at least hitting the field early for sure, and and hopefully, I say hopefully. I, it's always nice when a freshman hits the field early because you you realize that he's better than the players you've got now, and he's got a lot of time in front of him. Yeah, for sure. So the last bullet point I added, and I, we need to move on to the Sugar Bowl breakdown, but the last bullet point I added was the most intrigued to see, and Cole Adams. A five foot ten, hundred eighty five pound kid out of Oklahoma, Owasso, Oklahoma. Which you know, I've got the Oklahoma 
the baseball crew, and one of them lives in Owasso, I believe. It might be Stumbo. One of them lives in Coweta, another one lives in Broken Arrow. And, man, the film on this kid is just phenomenal. Like, what, what are we doing in Oklahoma recruiting a five foot ten kid that plays wide receiver? Uh, you know, you, you got to be able to find wide receivers in Florida and Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi that could fill that spot. So we see something in this guy, and I'm most intrigued to see what he brings to the table. I almost put him on Caesar Field first based on our wide receiver core being kind of up in the air, but I went with, uh, went with Haynes, but that's who I'm most intrigued to see what he does when he gets here. Well, you know, my most intriguing guy also was a wide receiver, and I went with our JUCO transfer. Um, what What's his name? I forget what his name is. Uh, we're, we need some. Wrote down. We need some. Ex- yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're at the office, by the way. Um, yeah, so. We need some wide receiver help. Obviously, we need some players first and foremost who can catch the ball, and Justin second, Jefferson. and not nearly toward the bottom. Yet yeah, we need people to get open. I thought he was a linebacker, uh, but but nonetheless, we we got the, the top wide receiver out of junior college and top linebacker, right? Both of them. I believe uh, so. Yeah. But I, I'm. I, we need we need that explosive wide receiver. Um, Malik Benson, maybe was that him? Uh, he is. He is definitely one Possibly. of our signees. But I'm looking right now. I'm scrolling, and uh, Malik Benson, I think, is a high okay. school kid, though. No, no, you're right. You're right. He's from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. And Justin Jefferson is a yeah. So he, I think, he was the number one wide receiver in the G- yeah. Jefferson's G- a linebacker. <laughs> Uh, we're we're yeah. we're very prepared here, and I'm not targeting your targeting. Hard hitting stuff here, guys. Hard yeah, absolutely. hitting. Well, we have butchered that. <laughs> Let's move on to the Sugar Bowl breakdown. So, like I said earlier, just a total different perspective on this game. Now, I think the line moved a half a point immediately when it was announced that Bryce and Will will play. We feel like Bryce will be healthy. Uh, you know, healthy as he's been all year since the since the Arkansas game, and of course, Will. Played well. Will played so good this year, and we got. I was talking about to Eli at work about this. I'm like, you know, it, we just had so unrealistic expectations. I did. I mean, I was thinking a sack of series, you know, and or, or at least a sack yeah. of quarter. I, a sack of quarter, dude. That would be 48 sacks on the year. Like that's unheard of, you know. <laughs> So, uh, uh, but, you know, back to the game, I, I just I, – I didn't watch K-State. The only game I watched K-State, of course, was the TCU game. And, yeah, they won that game. But I looked at, you know, some of your – I'm going to have to pull out Tom and be Statman. I'm going to channel my inner Tom and be Statman here. FPI, we're two, and K-State is 11. Total offense, we're 13. K-State is 43. But I think more importantly is, see, our offense doesn't play against their offense. So those two numbers don't really matter. But our total offense is 13. Their total defense is 54. So that we do play. You know, that's the two units that go against each other. Their total offense is 43, aforementioned. Our total defense is 15. Uh, we've scored 61 touchdowns on the year. They've scored 54. Not a whole big difference, a lot of difference there. Of course, they did play one extra game. 
And then score and defense, we're ninth and they're 30th. So they play in the Big 12. That's a respectable number, in my opinion, to play in the Big 12. But there's just not a lot of scenarios where they should beat us. Now, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, what is our team going to be feeling like when we get down to New Orleans? Or we, Because yeah, I know one guy, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, you know him real well. He said he was hitting Bourbon Street wide open when we got off the air of the night. So, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what well, let- – are all of our players going to do that? So, but really, with the looking on paper, we should win this ball game. We should we should win it pretty win it pretty handily. Well, let me let me reel you in a little bit there, okay? Uh, I I agree on, on your numbers because I went and those were a couple of numbers I was able to to um, uh, re- recover from my lost notes. But in addition to that. When you start looking at defense, Kansas State is ranked, like you said, 54th in total defense. However, they are 16th in pass efficiency defense and 64th against the run. So it sets up well that they're not as good against running teams as they are passing teams. Well, guess what? We, we, we like to throw it around. We've, we have shown, particularly the last several weeks of the season, that our downhill running game is not where we want it to be. Um, you know, we've used Gibbs a lot out of the backfield. We used him a lot for, you know, scooting around the, the ends and corners when he's when he's uh, at full speed and wide open. But those don't come a lot. As far as the downhill running game, you know, we had to go to our our second string back to even get that going a little bit. So that'll be interesting because, again, they are better against the pass, and they've seen it a lot. You know, they just throw it around out there in the Big 12 all the time. The other thing that could potentially be concerning about this game is Kansas State is fourth in the country in turnover margin. They are plus 14 in turnover margin. And I think we're still negative, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I didn't look ours up, uh, but I think we are negative in turnover margin uh, for the year. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tom. I was uh, I had my mic cut off. Yes, where our turnover margin is not good. Yeah. So I tell you one thing also that may or may not set up for us. This is the type of team that we don't see as much. And I'm like you. I didn't watch them all year. I did watch them against the TCU game. But for most of the year, Kansas State played Adrian Martinez at quarterback. And up until the TCU game, he was their starter and had run for over 600 yards on the year. So he was a a running quarterback. I say running, running slash scrambling. He was still throwing it quite a bit too. But he he had some wheels, as you know, and and could get around. And he got injured in that TCU game. Wasn't a significant injury, but he got injured. And Will Howard come in and replaced him in that game. And then Howard started the subsequent game, I think it was Oklahoma State, and they just hammered Oklahoma State like 48 to nothing. And Howard never lost the game again. Martinez never got another crack at it. And so since that time, Howard's 
thrown for 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. Now, the thing about Howard is he is a true drop-back quarterback. He's He only has maybe 40 yards rushing through those five or six games. So he's not going to run the ball. They have a downhill runner or and really a sort of a scat-back type guy, Deuce Vaughn. 1,400 yards plus rushing on the year, another three or 400 out of the backfield, they're going to run the type of offense that we used to run with A.J. McCarron. It's going to be play-action pass. It's going to be downhill running, play-action pass. You're not, you're not going to have to worry about the quarterback getting out of the pocket and hurting you, but you do have to play well against the run, which that's pretty good for us. We're 14th in the country on our, our uh, in total defense, 31st in the country against the run. We're a little better against the pass, but that play action is going to be key for us in how we defend that. I don't know of a team we played this year that runs that kind of offense. Can, can you think of one? Am I just overlooking them? I mean, I would say Georgia plays a similar type offense as that, but of course we yeah, didn't play probably. them this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about so, them. Just a straight drop back, you know, yeah, I, I couldn't think of one right off the bat that that would qualify as that. So it'll be something new for our defense. Something new for our defense, and our offense is going to have, have to figure out a way to take advantage of their 64th-ranked rush defense. We're going to need to run the ball. We're going to need to get downhill on it. And to be perfectly honest with you, this game is going to be completely in Bill O'Brien's hands. I mean, if we go out there and – I know, right. I mean, if we go out there and he decides we're just going to do the things that that we've done all year because we're more talented and we're we're just going to beat these guys – we could get get it handed to us. I mean, their strengths are strengths against what we do well. So, and I'm not saying Bryce Young can't overcome that because he is the best quarterback in the country, but he certainly don't have – he's going to be down two receivers. Yeah. (laughs) And the the ones that are left – yeah, the the ones that are left are, are, you know, dropsy-type guys. So, you know, you – I think you want to go. I think you want to take this game for what it is and get out of there with a win, regardless of how you get it. And I hope that's the way it's approached. Yeah, I've got a. I really think that we we handle our business. I've got a final score of Bama forty-two, K State seventeen, and I hope it's that because the the committee is not supposed to look at previous years and whether they do or don't. I know they don't when they're talking to each other. But in the back of your mind, you got to think, well, man, you know, look what happened last year with this team, whatnot. So if we come out, because we were the number five team, they put in TCU over us. If we come out and just annihilate the team that beat TCU, then maybe in the future down the road that will help us in getting back to the playoffs. So 42-17, good guys. I like that. I I, I I wish that was the way that it would go. I mean, I would take that all day long, obviously. You know, currently Vegas has this game at minus six. There's a couple spots at minus six and a half. 61% of the bets on Alabama. 79% of the money on Alabama. Over-under is sitting 
where's that over under? 54 or 56? Yeah, 56. It hadn't hadn't moved very much. Over under 56. So that's that's a fairly low over under, I think. For for yeah, yeah. for Bryce Young, Alabama, and and against a Big Twelve team, so I do think they're expecting defenses to play a little better in this game, and uh, I I expect maybe a, a a little bit of a lower scoring game than you. Um, I'm I'm thinking somewhere around twenty seven to twenty. You know, one one of the things that uh, is interesting as well. Kansas State is ten and three this year against the spread. Hmm. They've covered four or five in a row. That was I had forgot about. I had those in my notes before I left. I yeah. was telling Tiffin for uh, before I got here. I left everything I had at the office, but I, I just remembered that little nugget. So ten and three against the spread is <laughs> that's really good. I think that's actually their overall record as well, but. Um, so I, anyway, I, I I expected to go under, and I think we'll get the cover. I just I would love it to be your score. I think it's going to be closer to mine. Yeah, well, I'll take a win regardless, however we get it. So uh, that wraps us up for this year. We're both going to be, like I said, traveling, and we will reconvene at some point uh, and cover. You know, we'll we'll cover the Sugar Bowl. It'll probably be a week, week and a half after it. And I think we'll be able to cover the national title game preview. We'll cover the semifinals and then preview the national title. And then we'll, uh, we'll when the national title is played, we'll have a podcast for that. Then we're into uh, I'm not charging, you're charging, I guess. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, like always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.